0: Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. I don't know about you, but sometimes, I mean, I love spending time with my kids and my family. Sometimes two weeks feels like a long time with your kids, right? Amen? Like they start turning tribal, Lord of the Flies, you know what I mean? and everything's gray at the start. And then by like the time, the presents are all all unwrapped or whatever, then all of a sudden you start to see like tension growing in your household. And so sometimes I'm like, what if that time was a little shorter and then all the teachers are like, no, let's extend this thing, right? Amen. And so what I've seen with my kids is like this like little infighting starts to happen. And so inevitably somebody comes upstairs and they're crying. So we got to call both the perpetrator and the victim upstairs, right? And we stand them in front of us, we say, What happened? He hit me. Well, why did he hit you? You know, we go through this whole spiel. And so we say, All right, I need you to say, I'm sorry for hitting them. All right? And so they'll say, I'm sorry for hitting you. And then we'll say, This is a big deal for us. We'll say, All right, now you need to say, I forgive you. And that's when stone cold just comes over their face. I'm not sorry right? And I'm not, not going to say I forgive you. And we're like, look, you need to say I'm sorry for hitting you. So eventually we get that out. I'm sorry for hitting you. But then it's truly difficult for the other person to say, I forgive you, right? Like we can't get it out of them. We're like, you need to tell them that you forgive them. Like I'm not saying it. I don't forgive them, right? They straight up hit me. Anybody feel this way at home, Right? And so here it is, the person who did the hitting and the thumping, right? We're like, you're dismissed. You're in trouble because you're not forgiving, right? (laughs) This is jacked up, amen? Like, we're focused now on the person who did the hitting. We're saying, you're done. Why can't you forgive? And it's something that's rooted in our heart. Like, this is something that's rooted. It's not just with kids. This is an adult thing, (laughs) This this person who just simply needs to say these words, I forgive you, I don't care if you feel it, say it. And and, and we find that that our kids find that difficult to say at times, I forgive you, I forgive you. And so it's something that shows some deep-seated roots in in our heart, and that's why it's such a a big deal. In our household, it's not just I'm sorry, it's responding with I forgive you. And there's a big principle behind this, and I, I'm telling you, we love to see stories of forgiveness. I, a few months back, you know, we, we, we love on Facebook, somebody was sharing a story where somebody had, had shot the, the brother of, of this, 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 this family, this victim, right, this, this vixen family. And in the courtroom, this family kind of gets up and they go over and they hug the perpetrator and they say, we forgive you. And everybody's like, ooh, ah, oh, share, 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 share. And we love to share those things, and they're amazing. Until we're the one standing in that courtroom. And see, that's the thing. I'm wondering how much we find this beautiful until we're the one standing on that side that has to say, I forgive you. The thing that seems to be the most common theme in people's lives when they're walking through difficult situations at times is that there's this level of, of forgiving one another and receiving that forgiveness that sometimes we struggle with. And yet in Scripture, it's funny, like out of all of the, the prayers that we usually learn first, we typically, if you grew up in church, you learn the Lord's Prayer, right? We cite the Lord's Prayer to one another, and we see this in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, chapter 9, and the disciples, they've, they've been walking with Jesus, and they're like, teach us how to pray, Lord, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 9, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins. Listen to this. As we have forgiven. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Let me just stop there for a minute. There's this denotion in in, in verse 13. I'm just wondering if this is why it says, Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us, and don't let us yield to temptation. I'm wondering if he's talking about temptation to not want to forgive one another. I'm wondering if, if, if he follows the forgiveness with temptation because the natural tendency inside of us is to go, Man, I don't want to forgive. I don't want to have any part of forgiveness. Notice what he says, though. He says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven. He's already assuming that as you're praying this prayer, that the nature that's inside of you, the nature of Christ is a forgiving nature. He doesn't say, forgive us our sins as we contemplate forgiving our neighbor. He doesn't say, forgive us our sins as we think about it and really, I'm going to work through. He says, as we have forgiven those who sin." against us. Listen, church, this is such a big deal that after Jesus teaches them this prayer, then he follows up in verse 14 and he reiterates the part, I feel like that he's telling us to hang on. So he just teaches us the Lord's prayer, like this pinnacle moment. Lord, teach us how to pray. Teaches them how to pray and he follows it at verse 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But, let we say but, If you refuse to forgive others, your father will, what? Not forgive your sins. It's huge. Like, this should be a woe moment. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive you your sins. So this is a huge moment out of all the things that he could've like, followed up with in the Lord's Prayer. Like, like hey, don't forget you've got your daily bread and temptation, all these. He follows up with the forgiveness piece. It's a big deal. So we can see that forgiveness and, and reconciliation are at the very heart of the gospel message. The very heart of the gospel message is this forgiveness, reconciliation. You have been forgiven by God, now go forgive others freely. It's really ironic to me sometimes, church, that we're forgiven, and we know that we've been forgiven. God has come in. He's set us free, and we're forgiven by the Lord, and we see this freedom. I didn't deserve it. I didn't do anything to earn his love. He just simply stepped in when I was in sin, and he forgave me. And yet we'll go from one form of slavery after we've been forgiven and stepping out of that into another form of slavery by holding unforgiveness in our heart. And so, this is important for us then to look at today. If you have your your Bibles, um, we're going to talk about this because I think that um, really what we need to understand was when we're walking in unforgiveness, and we've talked about this before, we're not holding just that person in bondage, we're holding ourselves in bondage. Um, In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, we get this clear picture. And uh, it's a familiar verse, it's a really a go-to when we're talking about forgiveness. And you're going to see Peter and the disciples are talking with Jesus, but Peter comes up and he's got this kind of specific thing that he asks the Lord. And, I, and, and we don't read this in here, but, but I think that Peter was struggling through something. I think somebody had wronged Peter, I think somebody had come against Peter, somebody had hurt Peter, so he comes to Jesus, and he's getting ready to ask him for that. I don't know if this is somebody close or not, but Peter says this in verse 21, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven and then he goes and he gives his parable. So he, he's telling Peter something, and then he goes into his parable mode. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. So the equivalents of millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay for the debt. But the man fell down before his master and he begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. The master, obviously knowing that there's no way he can pay it all, verse 27 says, his master was filled with pity for him and he released him. Somebody say released. Released. I want you to know that. He released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him, begged him for a little more time. Be patient with me. I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were upset. They went to the king, told him everything that happened. The king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the king, then 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 the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid off his entire debt. Now, here, listen to this. Woo. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Like I was fine with that until the heart thing came in. Amen. Like when my kids stand and I'm like, you need to say I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You need to say I forgive you, I forgive you. I know they don't mean it, amen? But all of a sudden the Lord is taking us to a different place. He's like, you're not just going to come and say I forgive you. You're going to find something in your heart that really, truly sees that forgiveness. Look, when we talk about forgiveness, one of the Greek words that describes the word forgiveness that forgiveness stems from is this word that means to release. That's why, up there, when he says the master f- was filled with pity for him and he released him. And when we talk about forgiveness, we're talking about one of the root words of how forgiveness is birthed out means to release the person, to release the person. One of the hardest things about giving and receiving forgiveness is being able to release the person from the captivity of our thoughts and our minds and where we want to grasp them at and to also feel released. You see, that's where we feel in bondage at is we want to hold on to that. We want to hold on to that hurt, that wound, whatever. We want to hold on to that person. And so because we've not released them, we're feeling the weight of trying to hold on to that anger, bitterness, frustration, whatever it is, unforgiveness in our heart. And this is why, church, I need you to hear this. This is why this is not just an easy act to do. It's not something that just comes natural. Honestly, forgiveness is a divine act. Forgiveness is is a divine act. It can only be found in Jesus. It's not our natural tendency to do it. Forgiveness is a divine act. I read this quote that says, no other virtue requires such a great sacrifice of self. It is a conscious choice of vulnerability instead of vindication. But in the sacrifice of self, we find God's embrace. By choosing forgiveness, we refuse to worship our feelings and instead submit ourselves to God's truth. Amen? So what happens when we're walking in unforgiveness is that we build an offense up. And we're like, "Nah, it's not a big deal. Like, look, I'm just going to write that person off, whatever, whatever, whatever. We build that little bit of an offense up. Here's the problem, though. The minute we build that offense up, we give the devil a foothold. Scripture says that we can give the devil a foothold. And when the devil has a foothold, then he begins to build his stronghold. We go from this this little offense to a foothold, like no big deal, until one day, years later, we look back and there's a stronghold. This is why when we talk about forgiveness, it's so easy for us to run behind the wall of our stronghold. And, And the wall of our stronghold is built on every excuse of why we don't have to forgive. This brick because they hurt me. This brick because they abandoned me. This brick, this brick, this brick. And so we run behind it, and no matter what scripture says, we stand on this thing of going, I don't have to forgive because we run behind the stronghold that the enemy has built that God has not built. Amen? And so I love this meaning of the word release to release, to release. I heard a quote from Nancy Tanton a long time ago, and we've shared it in here before. Nancy Tanton wrote a study, and it's a freedom study. I recommend every single person in this place take this. You walk through these steps of just systematically seeing where God is freeing you from different things in your life. But there was this one when it's talking about forgiveness, and she uses this quote that says, true forgiveness is when one can walk through your mind unharmed. Right? Because we can sit here and say, I forgive you. I forgive you. And in our minds, that person is walking through our mind, and we're like, "Uh -uh," right? Like there's something in us when that person is walking in our mind where we're like fighting them. And so true forgiveness is when that person, we've released that person because we've been released. We've released that person to walk through our mind unharmed. It's not denying the feelings. True forgiveness isn't denying your feelings of hurt. True forgiveness isn't saying that what they did was okay. It's not giving them permission to do it again. True forgiveness is not saying, look, I I know I feel this way, but it's not about my feelings. True forgiveness is not saying it's okay what you did. True forgiveness is not saying, look, you, you have permission to do it again. That's not what it's saying at all. True forgiveness is saying, in light of what Jesus has done for me, I release you because he released me. He set me free. He bought me for a price. He set me free. He forgave me, therefore I forgive you." So Peter comes along, and he's, and he's asking Jesus this tough question in this time. He's like, look, look, Jesus has just been teaching about turning the other cheek, the Sermon on the Mount's been awesome, you know, teaching about loving your enemies. I think Peter's listening to all of this, and he's like, yeah, turn the other cheek, love your enemies, but he's stuck. Something is bothering him. I feel like Peter had a brother that annoyed him. You know, I can testify to that. Ryan, are you in here? Amen messing. I feel like somebody close to Peter, he's struggling with, but then Peter, in this moment, he's like, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Now, there's an interesting reason that Peter says seven times, because Peter knows the Jewish law, the teaching of Jewish law, and this says that you have to forgive up to three times. After three times, then you don't have to forgive anymore. Sometimes I wish we'd go back to that system, amen? Amen. Like like somebody annoys you three times on Facebook, delete, right? So Peter comes to Jesus and he's like, I know what Jewish law teaches, not three times. So he says, I'm gonna gonna double it and then add one. And he says, seven times, because seven is perfect. And if they're a moron after seven times, surely I can let them go, right? And so he comes to Jesus, how long? Seven times, how many times? Seven times, and then based on this meaning of forgiveness that we're talking about being released really what peter's asking is when can i stop releasing this person from wronging me like at what point in time can i just stop releasing and just hold this person in bondage and i think all of us have found ourselves in this boat and i know that jesus is looking at us and he's saying well how many times how many times until you have sinned so much that i just stopped releasing you And I look at my life, and if there was a number to that, that I can tell you right now, Jesus would have stopped releasing me a long time ago, and I would be in shame and guilt and condemnation. So Jesus responds beyond our human understanding. He says, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And for those of you that are math savvy, you're doing the math right now, and you're like, well, I think this person's up to 210, right, or whatever. But Jesus wasn't throwing out a number. That wasn't his goal. He's not not throwing out a number. There's no number. He's basically saying, look, you keep releasing that person in forgiveness because I keep releasing you in forgiveness. Not saying what they did was okay. Not saying what they did was right. Not saying that you have to be their best friend. Not saying that you have to put yourself in front of them all the time. You're just simply saying, I'm not going to be held in bondage. I release you. Here's why this is so important, because there's freedom in being released through forgiveness. Jesus came to break the strongholds in our lives, and yet so many times we build these strongholds back up through unforgiveness. And the problem is, church, is that this is our human nature. This is our human nature. We tend to cling to our hurts rather than to our freedoms, amen? I'm gonna say that one more time. We cling, we tend to cling more to our hurts than to our freedoms. Like here we are, I'm set free in Jesus. Like when I came to Jesus, he set me free. No more shame, no more condemnation, no more. And then all of a sudden, all of these promises and and, and fruits of the spirit and blessings, they're all for me. And I could just sit here and go, these are my freedoms in Jesus and it'd be a mile long. But then I have this other list over here and I go, but these are three people who hurt me. Years ago, this person, and then this person. This person's my, you know, newest irritation. And I will build my whole life on these three hurts more than I'll build my life on all of these freedoms that I have in Christ. We spend all of our time, most of our time, half of our time, three-quarters of our time, whatever, trying to figure out these hurts when the rest of our life is freedom. Freedom. And so we'll stand here and we'll say, oh, but this person, this person, you don't know what they did. And God said, I set you free. Release them in Jesus' name. Woo, amen. I don't even know where I'm at right now. Amen. Here we go. I know that sometimes the difficulty is that the person who's hurt you is the closest one to you, your spouse, your friend, grew up best friend, mom, dad, brother, sister, family, and so the person that's hurt you the most, now you have to be, that's close, you have to be the most vulnerable with. Trusting the Lord is your vindication, amen? And so I know that it's difficult, but here's why in Matthew 18, here's a guy who couldn't pay his debt, never would be able to pay that amount, yet he was freed and released, but when it came to those who owed him these small amounts in comparison, there was no forgiveness in releasing him. And so I really feel like what Jesus is really trying to tell us in Matthew 18 is don't break the cycle of releasing people. Don't break the cycle. In terms of our debt and our sin against God, it was insurmountable. Jesus steps in and he takes that, takes that away, takes our place. And yet when people wrong us and they hurt us, look, and they do, and it's not taking away that. nobody's Nobody's standing here and saying, you shouldn't be hurt. That's not what anybody's saying. You have hurt, you have wounds. What we're saying that in light of Jesus taking something insurmountable that you could never pay back, do you trust him enough to release the person who's hurt you? This is critical. If we're gonna walk in freedom in this new year, in 2020, if we're gonna walk in freedom, this is critical for our life. So much I wanna share on this, but I wanna leave us just a, a, a few minutes to do some things together as family in here. The number one thing I wanna just encourage you should be looking in your life, and I just wanna encourage you to do this, is beginning to think about people maybe that you've held an offense towards, unforgiveness towards, bitterness towards. Maybe you just have anger towards somebody. I want you to begin to think about that for a minute. In a minute, you're gonna jot that down on this piece of paper that I I gave you or that'll be up here for you if you didn't get one. But here's what I wanna say. I wanna say that the person that, that, that comes to your mind that you've got anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, offense, whatever towards, um, it's not contingent on how they respond to you. Meaning that when we talk about forgiveness, And the Lord says just to release them, let them go stop harboring that anger and stuff. I think sometimes we have this like mentality that, you know what, if I forgive them, like they're going to, I want them to come up to me and be like, thank you for forgiving me. Oh, I feel so blessed. Like, wow, you forgiving me, set me free. Like, you're awesome. You know, those kinds of things. Amen. Like, that's what we want. That's our desire. We we want that affirmation that, oh, okay, I did the right. But I'm going to tell you that 90% of the time doesn't work that way. 90% 90% of the time you go up to the person you just say, look, I just want you to know I, 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 because the love of God that's in me and the love of God compels me, I want you to know that, that, that I forgive you. Like, I'm not going to hold this any longer. I release you. I release you. And usually the person is going to respond with something like, I don't care what you're going to do. I still don't like you, right? Or whatever. They're, they're going to come and they're going to say something. And then the minute that they say that, the tendency that you're going to have in your heart is to say, well, then I put you back in my box, Right? Come on, amen? amen? It's what we do because we're now living off of what their affirmation was going to be. And if they don't give us that affirmation, somehow we're going to throw them back in bondage again. When you've been set free, you don't worry about what they respond back with. You're releasing them because freely you have been released, so freely you will release them in Jesus. Mark 11, Jesus tells his disciples something. He says, Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying first, somebody say forgive. Anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. You got this moment that Jesus is like, look what your faith can do. If you have faith, like you would take this mountain and throw it into the sea. He's like, if you have faith, you can ask God. God's gonna answer, and so here we are. We're people that are believing for big things. We're people who are saying, God, we wanna see 2020 be a year of the Lord's favor. We want you to move in 2020. And God's going, I wanna do it. I wanna see a faithful people. I wanna see your faith raised. But you better go check yourself first. And when you pray... And when you ask for this faith to bubble up inside of you, and when you ask for that mountain to be moved, and when you ask for those things, you check yourself first. I want you to go back to your root and find out if you've got a root of bitterness, anger, offense, or something else that you're holding against somebody. And I want you to release them, because you're not walking in freedom if you're not released. This clearly is teaching that this unforgiveness that sometimes we harbor, these grudges Whatever that we sometimes harbor can hinder our faith in working. The whole season that we've been in, this whole manger to the cross, like this whole season that we've been in is all about a God who was wronged that came and made things right through his forgiveness for the people who wronged him. Like this is the pinnacle of it all. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 after he's talked about we're a new creation and all these things, he says, look, we are ministers of reconciliation through whom God makes his appeal to the world. We are meant to affirm and extend forgiveness that's offered in Christ. We're meant to choose forgiveness over offense. This is a big deal, and I really feel like for for some buddy or buddies in here, for you to enter into 2020, and we gotta deal with this unforgiveness, offense, bitterness, anger, we gotta deal with it. And here's why. There's a second thing that I wanted to share, just, just real quickly, I promise we're gonna go. But, but I really feel like for us, and, and, and I felt passionate about this, I feel like 2020 is like this catapulting year. I know we say this every year, okay? I get it. I say it every year, right? But if we don't have George Jetson's car by now, God's going to do something. Amen? I feel like 2020 is just going to be this year where we just, mm, we're pressing, we're just pressing, we're pressing. All that to say is for us to see God do the things that I'm, we're just going to pray into and move in people's lives and restore, for us to see that, we've got to lay this foundation of forgiveness. And then once we lay this foundation of forgiveness, God's going to restore. Isaiah 61, we've been camped out on this, what Jesus came to do, the Spirit of the Lord, the sovereign Lord is upon me, the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, proclaim the captives will be released, the prisoners will be freed. We've shared this every single Sunday. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the year of the Lord's favor, somebody say favor, the year of the Lord's favor has come. And I'm just gonna say this, I believe that we're gonna enter into the year of the Lord's favor for someone's life as we build a foundation of forgiveness. He's gonna restore some things because look what he goes on to say, church. Verse three, after he says that, verse three, to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. Look, look at this, they will rebuild, somebody say rebuild. Rebuild. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive. Somebody say revive. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. Verse 6, you will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. Verse 7, instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land, and the everlasting joy will be yours. This is what we're praying. This is what we're trusting. And I believe the foundation is this, leaving unforgiveness in 2019, releasing the captives that we've captive, held captive in our life through unforgiveness, and walking into 2020 truly free close with this. Pastor Ryan shared uh, when we first started this whole series about the year of Jubilee. You guys remember that? The year of Jubilee is every 50th year. So 49 a cycle of seven years to get to 49, that 50th year they call the year of Jubilee. And the year of Jubilee is when debts are forgiven, people are set free, property was automatically reverted to its original owners and those who were compelled by poverty to sell themselves into slavery for their brothers and their sisters and their families would regain their freedom once again. This was the cycle that Israel went through. The year of Jubilee was both that the land and the people would be able to come to a place of rest. This year of Jubilee, this Jubilee picture is this beautiful representation of this New Testament theme of redemption and forgiveness. Jesus comes as a redeemer to set us free, those of us that were slaves and prisoners to sin, which was all of us. He came to set us free, not because we did it, not because we tried it, not because we were awesome, but because he was awesome. He came to set us free. We were no longer in bondage, no longer slaves to sin. And then he tells us, because of that, in light of that, now you also should forgive. It's the year of jubilee. I'm talking spiritually in our hearts, where God wants to release. He wants to release whatever it is, whoever it is that you've been holding captive in bondage in in your life. He wants to walk uh, wants us to walk this thing out of forgiveness, and I believe he wants us to then to restore some things in our life. So, he, here's the deal. If you've got your little piece of paper, um, there's some up here at the front as well. The band's going to come up. I, I'm going to encourage you in the next, like, five, six, seven minutes, I want you can get together as your family. Just, I just, we give you freedom. Spread out around the room if you want. You come up here. Stay in your seats. However you want to do it. But you're, you're going to take a moment. The band's going to play. And, and, and I want you to take a minute, and it's just got the word, Forgive. I just want you to begin to think about people in your life that you just want to forgive. Somebody who's hurt you, wronged you, just write their name down. Somebody that's, that's done something, just write their name down. For somebody in this room, the only name that's going to need to be right up here is your own name, because the person that you can't forgive is yourself. You've stepped out, you've cheated on your, your, your marriage, you, you've been in addiction, you've you, you felt like you were worthless. whatever. You've done something and you're like, I can't forgive myself. And so you're gonna put your name there. And so you can do that individually, you can do this as a family, however you wanna do that. And then restore. What is it that you're asking God to rebuild and revive? Just like what we just read in Isaiah 61. What is it that you're saying, God, 2020, I wanna revive this my compassion for people. I wanna restore this, God. I wanna restore the way that you ch- challenge me to love people. I wanna rebuild this identity inside of my life that extends grace to people. What is it that you want your foundation to be restored for 2020? So we're gonna pray and we're, 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 I'm just gonna pray over you guys. we are just gonna take a minute, again, there's freedom in this room, band's gonna play. We're gonna sing a song, we're gonna close out singing a song together here in about five minutes. But just, I wanna encourage you, man, just use this time to set a new foundation. We're leaving 2019, we're stepping into 2020, we're gonna set some new foundations. If you need one of these cards, they're up here. If you need pens, the pens are up here as well. Freedom to walk around, do what you need to do. So Father, in the name of Jesus, We believe so strongly in this principle of forgiveness. We're not saying what the person did was was right. We're not saying what the person, we're not giving them permission for what they did. We're just saying that in as much as was given to us and the freedom that you gave to us when you released us from sin and death and shame and guilt and condemnation, we release that person give us the strength, God. Pull out that bottom brick of whatever stronghold we've built. I just see a picture. Somebody's going to pull out, help us to pull out that bottom brick of being wounded. And God, I pray that the walls begin to tumble today. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.